Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Warren. So this week on the podcast, we have Ali Fox. Ali is a comedian, an actress, a writer, and a producer based right here in Dublin. You'll best know Ali from her work on stage in stand-up comedy as Bon Mott, a pseudonym that she goes under. It's absolutely hilarious. We talk a little bit about her stand-up and bits and bobs like that. But she was also recently in How to Be Angry, a brilliant, brilliant play by the wonderful Camille Lucy Ross at the Dublin Fringe Festival this year in Smock Alley. Um, and it was an absolute uh, delight to be in the audience for her. So it's really great to have the chats with Ali in this episode. She's such a like particular and such a special person. It's a deadly, deadly episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm currently doing this uh, from a very echoey staircase backstage of the Tivoli Panto. Um, it has been a, a whirlwind few weeks. We are just uh, in the most intense run of shows that you can imagine, uh, but it's all good. So if you are uh, out and about in town and you fancy coming in with some little ones or even just for yourself, it's a great show. Would love to see you there. Um, in other news, yeah, th- we're going to have the episodes coming out right the way through Christmas. Um, it's all go here, but we have some great ones lined up for next week, which I'm really excited to bring you. And uh, we're getting really close to episode number 50, which we have something really exciting uh, planned for. So, guys, enjoy Ali Fox playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. Fox ready to play personality bingo? Yes, I am, Tom. All right, let's do it. So uh, I'll give a quick explainer of how it all works. We've got 60 minutes on the clock, 60 balls in here, and 60 questions right here. I've also given you five numbers. Would you do me a favour and read out the five that you have? Yes. 8, 28, 41, 59, 23. My favourite number. Good. Nice. (laughs) 23 is your favourite? Yeah. Why? Because I was born on the 23rd of March. Ah, nice. Okay. Okay, good, good to know. We, we are off to a flyer. <laughs> We're getting all the big questions out of the way. Uh, do me a favour. Will you pick a sixth number between one and 60 that's not there? I'm going to go with number two. All right, sweet. Scribble that down and let's go for it. Uh, any reason for number two? Yeah, the number of my Nana's house. Ooh, yeah. that you were just in today? Yeah. Oh, so sweet. number two. Yeah, so just be, you have to say it. You were, you were clearing out a 200-year-old house and you found loads of shit. Yeah, well, actually, now the house is much older than that, but it's been in the Fox family for roughly 200 years. And I believe that my family members that are currently in the gaff are the only family in Ireland on a tenancy agreement that predates Irish land law. They're the last ones. So basically... It's kind of like a squatter's right situation now. So um, the house has been taken back by a property developer and uh, they're moving to a brand new house. But it's very sad because this house is uh, so dear to us all, you know. No. Yeah, so I'm going back up this evening to say goodbye and maybe cry outside on the steps, I'll see. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't it mad? Like, it's so unique. And the house appears, of course, on the two census uh, that are online, uh, 1901 and 1911. So I'm very into history. So I've looked it all up. And uh, the house has been there since the early 1700s. I haven't been here since the early 1700s. Whoa. Early 1800s. This is like if... We had like a history podcast and I was just the worst host. <laughs> I, I have no idea like what to ask you about. 
Like, about it. It's just mad. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. And that's why it's so sad. Yeah. So uh, my pockets are filled with gold now, as I showed you earlier, because we have to get rid of everything. But the more you dig, the more you find. My cousin found, like, a, a dagger this morning, and he thinks it's a French Huguenot, like, just from the handle. I don't know how long that's there, who owns it. He has it now. The it's world, probably being auctioned. The world is so crazy. <laughs> I know. Like, that just existed. Yeah. Under your fucking floorboards. I know, this whole time. And here I am, walking around town, not knowing that that's right there. Oh, man. I know. Right, well, from gold to 13 euro bingo machines, let's give it a spin. <laughs> okay. Right, here we go. First one at the gate is number 43. Do you have it? I don't. Okay, no worries. Number 43. The question is, if there was one thing you could change about Ireland, what would it be? Wow. We're diving in there. Okay, this is getting very serious. Just one thing. Yeah. I'd like to be in charge, please. Yeah, I'd love to be in charge. The boss. Large and in charge, yeah. That's actually one of the things that I always say. You know, if I'm giving out about something, I'll round it off by saying, if I was in charge, um, I would... Okay, to break it down more, um, I would like to see women more listened to in politics and theatre and everything. Uh, yeah, bottom line, I would love to see more women being, um, I don't know, lifted up and uh, honoured more and to be exalted. Mm. Yeah, I would love that. Okay, so... I want to talk about two sides of this. So your first answer was like to be in charge. Yeah. So what like would that, because there's a question here, like would that look like being the president? Would you like to go into politics? Would you like to, or is it just a general thing of like you like being in control of your life? Um, actually, do you know what's funny? And I only um put this into part of my material last week in Whelan's or two weeks ago. Um, when I was a kid, I had a teacher in first class that went around all the tables asking the kids what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I thought there was only a set amount of people in the world. And at some point, somebody would approach you and be like, OK, who do you want to be? And it didn't matter what country they were from, uh, what ethnicity, whether it was a man or a woman. And I wanted to be Nelson Mandela. Because this man had, even though I bought in first class, what are you, seven or eight or something, or six maybe, he had um, made such an impression on me, like from the news and stuff. And so had Martin Luther King. Obviously, he was long dead at that point, but he would come up in history and stuff, um, of course. And I thought it was so beautiful to be a politician and to, you know, fight for human rights and stuff like that. So maybe a part of me does want to be a politician. Sounds like you just want to be black. <laughs> oh, God, maybe, yeah, no, maybe that's it. <laughs> you just want to be a black man. That's all I, you don't care. They no, didn't do I that want one. black, I only <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, but maybe, maybe, but I would like to be large and in charge of my own life, of course, as well. Yeah. But it, that is such a gorgeous thing as like as a child, you like that like just beautiful naivety that you think like someone's just gonna go on like oh yeah what which one of them do you want to be, you know what I mean yeah yeah like because like we all like yeah because like I wanted to be you know it, like uh, yeah we talk about that sometimes like I, I talk about it on this like it's your first little mini heartbreak is like when you realize the thing you want to be as a kid oh I, I can't be it like whenever you and I guess like it's a weird thing because like in what we do it, well no hmm, how do you talk about this so like. I, I always just talk about myself, so I want to be a footballer, right? And then you just, at a certain point, you realise, like, oh, wait, you're too small and you're too fat and you're not good enough. Oh. You know what I mean? But that's a, it's a, it's, 
like that's your first little mini heartbreak as an adult. But then like there's other careers like a Preston footballer. You kind of just learn at certain. Like when you see Wayne Rooney scoring a goal at 16 and mm. you're 18 and nothing's happened. Like if you don't realize that you're completely delusional and like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Whereas in other careers, like for example, like you do like theater, you do like stand up comedy, you do these things. Like I do theater and like writing and these things. Like these are things where people gen like generally do get success later in life. Like it takes a long and whatever success means to you, but like it takes a long, you know time sometimes so it's a weird like it's it's interesting how like that can that just how that like changes as you get older like you know those because i guess like we don't really like talk about it as an atypical career path but like professional footballers super atypical but like so is like a stand-up comedian you know what i mean yes but you're really new to it yeah but you if you wanted to become a professional footballer you're way too late thanks tom that's what I came here for. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean, though. You yeah. tell the hard truths and personality bingo. <laughs> you really do. I mean... Damn. And I just take out a little notebook <laughs> and, like, scratch it off with a sad face. Yeah. I'm not going to be Wayne Rooney now. No. God. I'm sorry. So sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, so I So, like, do. how do you... Like, what, what, what do you think about your own... Because you've not been doing comedy that long. No, only it started this year. Right. So brand new shampoo. Yeah. So, like, what do you... Because, like, you know, what do you think about when people talk about, like, 10,000 hours and stuff like that? Do you ever hear that? I don't know what that is. What is that? I'm going to butcher the quote a little bit, but it's this guy, Malcolm Gladwell, I believe, and he has this theory. I've never read the book. I really should before I start spouting on about it. But it's that to become like a kind of a master or like an expert or whatever the word you want to use, there's something you have to do it for 10,000 hours. I have heard of that. Sorry, I just didn't know your man's name, but yeah. Right. So like that idea, like, so I guess that's what what it goes back to when we were talking about, you know, it can take time and the things we do, like whether it be, you know, because stand-up has an element of performance, has an element of writing. They will take like time to like, craft it so you know yourself when you take a joke out for the first time you don't really know mm. is it going to work which doesn't mean it's a bad joke maybe you just haven't found out how to tell it yet yeah or people aren't ready to hear it yet do you find that yeah sometimes you know um you have to kind of read the room you know and i would kind of have an arsenal of things that i want to talk about but if i get a vibe or you know when you stand up and you look into people's faces I would say, oh no, I'm not going to say that about such and such. I'll say this instead. So you have to know your audience, know yourself. Yeah, it's true. What about then when you talked about in the sense of like wanting women to be like listened to and taken more seriously in various, in like most aspects of life, I suppose. Mm. As like as a woman in life, is that your experience that like you find that you're not taken as seriously as men sometimes? Um. No, luckily I haven't had any whopper situations that were very, you know, negative um, in my working life or my personal life. Uh, little things here and there, you know, and they can add up and they're horrible at the time. But I, I've kind of grown to, um, to nip those things in the bud as they're happening. And you get better at that the older you get. When I think back... Um, to things that would have happened to me when I was a teenager, you know, doing my first or second summer job or whatever, and the way I had been treated by men, I thought, if only I knew where they lived now. And I'm a bit angry as well. But um, uh, largely, I've had a very positive experience 
as an actor and starting off this year as a comedian, I haven't had any um, bad situations at all. So yeah, I'm I've been pretty lucky, in fact. Yeah, it's a weird thing, like you know, with um, with women in comedy versus men. I I I. I I'm so bad at talking about this stuff sometimes. Even using words like versus just makes it sound like a battle or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, it's a weird thing because did you ever see that that happens when you, you see a woman go on stage to tell jokes like so many men do? And like, you can just see guys and the way their attitude changes can be weird because like, I, I, and I always just wonder like, why? Because I don't even think it means that they're like necessarily bad guys. I just think it's something like, there's a real vulnerability to like laughing do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, when you make someone laugh, you're provoking an instinctual thing that they don't really have control over. If you give a real authentic laugh, it, it's, um, you're not, it's, what's the word? It's instinctive or it's something. It's very organic. Like Billy Connolly uh, says, when you laugh, you lower yourself to hire that person up. That's so That's interesting. It. That's what I'm trying to talk about. I always wonder, is that why there seems to be more male comics than female comics? Because men... I think that women will laugh at anything, and I think sometimes some men struggle to laugh at women. Ah, uh, women don't laugh at everything, Tom. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, you've been laughed at anything I've said so far. <laughs> Fucking bitch, <laughs> you are so gas, and I'm gonna kill you. Um, but yes, I do agree with what you're saying. There is uh, an added vulnerability for a man to laugh at a woman's joke, and I say that from experience. You know, because you're looking at all the faces and they're kind of like arms crossed, you read the body language. And then sometimes I've experienced like they laugh, but it's almost like, damn, you know, I didn't want to let that one out or something. Or like, oh, yeah, she's all right. And then he might lean into his friend and say something about my top or something. No, I don't know. But yeah, I've experienced that before where they kind of laugh begrudgingly or something. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not making that up. That is, you, you think that might be a thing as well? Yeah, I definitely have experienced that. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's just, mm. so, it's just so interesting. Like, because it's literally such a, like, it's literally when you see people, like, fold their arms, they're literally, like, hugging themselves. They're literally protecting themselves. It's yeah, like, it's self-soothing to do that. Totally. And that protects you from making that other person feel good. Yeah. Now, that's a very basic bitch way of describing that. But, yeah, I've experienced that. Totally. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just, it's so, it, like, it's so interesting anytime you can, like, kind of, <laughs> it's that weird thing of, like, not wanting to speak generally, but also sometimes it's so useful to speak generally. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just really interesting when you can, like, you think, anyway, or you certainly play the game where you think you catch a weird thing that, like, humans do. I, I don't know, like, it, the whole, it's just, right now, it's such an interesting time with, like, all the brilliant change and all the brilliant conversations that are, going on it's just it's just so interesting to think like how it got that far because like sometimes I don't know how you feel about it like as a young woman like as a young man you kind of feel like you're plunked into the middle of all this like tumultuousness and it's brilliant because you know like it's so important and it all needs to happen but at the same time like how did it go like there have been so many people before me there have been so many men there's been so many women they definitely weren't all bad men they definitely weren't all like bad women it's just crazy that like there has it got to this place where like now it's so tumultuous and like I don't think like the atmosphere right now is like healthy at all but I think it's necessary it is necessary you're dead right like the tide is changing now and it's a bit scary you know but these things have to happen 
it, like we're children of the revolution here, Tom. Yeah. And I lo- use the term children loosely <laughs> because we're getting on now. Yes. But um, definitely like the winds of change, like and it'll all even out. For, and it'll be for the better, of course. Well, that would be my hope anyway. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think so. I don't know. What a like a, an intense way to start. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, it, it is. It is. But so anyway, the moral of the story is that you want to be in charge. <laughs> yeah. To bring me back to the question, <laughs> uh, I would love to be in charge. I'd also love to change the weather or maybe like our geographical positioning. It was so wet today. It was so disgusting. I am so uh, sensitive to the weather. It's unbelievable. Okay. All right. Hold yeah. on. So, what do you mean? <laughs> Tom, Tom, Tom. You're too funny. I mean that um, if it's sunny, I'm real happy. <laughs> and if it starts raining, I will find something to be annoyed about wherever I go. I just don't like it. I think I was born in the wrong country. I've always said that. Yeah. And you know Ireland used to be like a tropical island. Is that for real? Of, yeah, like I'm talking millions of years ago. Whoa. When we were all like Pangea, when that was all together, we were subtropical and I think they forgot about me and I ha- just floated here by accident. Oh, no. You know, I'm like 300 years old, really. Yeah. But I think I must have been around back then as well because I miss that weather so much. I'm not supposed to be from here. Uh, yeah, uh, right. Uh, um, okay. I wondered that like this week about just like, I think I'm finding like little cycles with, with me of like in so many aspects of my life, like in the way that like I'll like eat and exercise certain times a year in the way like, like if I'm like, you know, like romantically at certain times a year, like am I? Oh, yes. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. When's your birthday? It's the 4th of May. Okay, that's real cute, that's real cute. I'm March, and I completely agree. So what star sign are you then, Taurus? Yeah. Yeah, same as my sister, mm. very stubborn. Yes. And my dad also as well. Um, But I completely agree with you. I would really be, like, effervescent, if you like, in all aspects of my life, in and around the time of my birthday. And I completely lose it in September because Libra is my rising sign. And I just can't get my shit together in September. I actually hate September. Yeah. I think my, like, shit together gone time is, like, in the winter. I think yeah. it's, like, December, January. Now I should just be in a bunker somewhere. <laughs> I should. I should be. Like, I, it's so weird. I'm, like, right now, my life's falling apart. <laughs> ah, don't say that. No, it's not. But it's just, like, yeah. I And I... I it may be that bollocks, but like, I just wonder, like, why it just seems to be like certainly like the last like two years. Like, I'm just thinking back, I'm like, yeah, like it was the same. Yeah, the patterns like repeat themselves. You need to get a salt lamp and a nice bottle of gin, and everything's <laughs> gonna be okay. Tom. What do you do with the salt lamp? <laughs> just plug it in and look at it. All right, okay. Yeah, maybe pet it. You can lick it as well. It's that's so what I was gonna salty. ask. If you lick it, to make you more thirsty for more gin. It, that's it. <laughs> and then we're gonna be dehydrated, skinny, and happy. <laughs> I, I can't wait. That's the secret. Yeah. I, I've been running a lot lately. Like, not wow. from problems, like, to the Phoenix Park. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. And uh been running, like, um, and I was like, but it's such a weird thing to go for a run when you, like, I don't need to run. Like, I'm, I'm waking up early and it's kind of annoying and wet. But, like, y- y- you make a, 
you make a choice to do it. I don't know why I'm telling you this. This is the roundest episode. I just love that I don't need to run. But there's no need to run. But like, it makes me feel good. And I definitely think that like, the better, that like, the more, com- you said we'll be skinny and we'll be happy. Mm. And that made me think of like, th- there, there's some part of my brain that like, thinks that, you know, that the better, the better you like, look, the better you feel. And I don't mean that in a like, oh yeah, if you're like eating well and exercising, you'll, you genuinely will feel good. That's like a scientific yeah, that's given, fact. Yeah. But like, mentally, it's really interesting like, how my physical appearance, I think is like, linked to like, everything. Like, I, like I'll, I'll be nicer to you if I feel handsome in myself. It, I know, that's mad. That is true though. Isn't that mental? It is mental. I, I think women, um, where, where they're, women admit this or not but I, I think everybody that's close to me that's a woman would that you're more hung up on your um physical appearance than a man might be although then there's my brother we'll get back to him um and definitely if you have nice clothes and your hair is done if my makeup is done I would be nicer to you it's because I feel better about myself. I my new year's resolution for January which I didn't actually keep of course um, was to never leave the house until I was ready. That I felt that, like, because I would never go out without any makeup on. That's just one of my hang-ups since I was about 15. And uh, I'm always late for things. So I'd be like, okay, I'll get up, put on your makeup, and you're not going to leave until you're, like, the best version of yourself. And then you can look people in the eye properly and get stuff done. And the days where I did move my arse to do it, they were great days. Mm. There was no need for the salt lamp, even though it might have been like a cold December Eve, just like today, because I felt better. Mm. It's mad, isn't it? But that goes for everybody. That's not just a woman thing, obviously. Yeah, no, but it's so funny because I associate that as a woman thing as well. Yet I am the biggest woman in that sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I literally texted someone the other day. I was like, I'm the manliest, girliest man girl. Like, that's <laughs> honestly how I think of myself. Because, like... So I completely understand what you're saying. Like it's, but it's so weird how we do associate that because even the, and like there's probably like some scientific backing to back it up in the sense of like you know talking about some like eating disorders or like body yeah. dysmorphia. They do reckon that there's more cases of that in women, and I think that's true, and that's really important to talk about. I also think there's probably like loads of case. There's like an another a different argument because it shouldn't be, it should be on the same table, but it, they shouldn't be in opposition with each other. But I think that there's like a real issue where men don't really feel like it's as okay. I, I think like eating disorders are quite, um, they don't feel that taboo, as taboo. Um, for Yeah, for, for women, which oh, is sorry, brilliant. Yeah. But like for men, I feel like it's still very taboo. And I wonder like in a, in a weird way, while the numbers might be lower, I feel like the anonymity within the lack of numbers is, is kind of, that's like a, a, you know, a different, a different problem. It's just really interesting. How, it is. Because yeah. it's so funny how like my brain and your bro- brain, but when we talked about like body images, like it's a, it's a female thing. Do you know what I mean? Whereas like, and it, it is, but it's also for men as well. It's a human thing. It's we a just human need thing. to talk about these things more. Yeah. But uh, I know for me, yeah, you'd be definitely hung up on like makeup and weight and stuff like that. Not so much anymore, but I've definitely felt like that in the past, you know? Yeah. And it's so interesting how, like, yeah, what's going on, like, affects that, you know, like, whether you're, like, whether it's to do with, like, you know, if you're working, where you're working, like, who you're with are you single are you in a relationship are you happy in that relationship like are you seeing your friends are you at home with your family are you in your like you know like house outside of your family home all these things like 
just affect it. Like, it's just, like, I don't know, sometimes I just feel like there's no, there's just so little, like, stability, I feel like, in, in my life at the moment. Like, everything's just fucking, like, up in the air all the time. Yeah, yeah, and you can't catch your breath. I think that's the same for a lot of actors, though, because we're, our lives are kind of messy and you're jumping from one thing to the next and you're, I always feel like I'm chasing my tail. You know, and I actually have a regular, you know, 10 to 6, Monday to Friday job on top of everything else. So I guess I'm in a, a better position maybe than some actors. But there's just so much uncertainty around what we do that you can never just like kick back with a Freddo in front of the TV at night. Yeah. I always feel that you're doing something like you're, you're never off until you actually fall asleep for four hours on the carpet. <laughs> that was me last night. Did you sleep in your carpet? Yeah, I fell asleep when I was trying to do something. <laughs> yeah, and I've been, I got up four hours later from the cold and it's, it hasn't been a great day, you see, because I started off wrong. What was, was, did you have like a rash in your face? Why would I have, oh, from the carpet? No, my house is very clean. <laughs> uh, no, I was, had been sitting on the floor arranging some stuff uh, and then I was like, oh, I'll just close my eyes here for a little tiny nap. And then I woke up at the crack of dawn and I was like, well, I have to stay up now because I'm annoyed. That's hilarious. It's a bit sad. Though. What were you organising, do you mind me asking? Um, actually, it, it's a history thing. I'm writing um, the script for history podcasts that will be uh, potentially used for uh, kids doing junior cert history uh, so comedy podcasts where they tune in to learn something about the Roman Empire or the plantations of Ireland and um, it will be all done through comedy. So I would hope that stuff lands in their brains because they're having a laugh and they're learning something. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Isn't it great? That's deadly. Yeah, yeah, it's going real well so far. And I'm learning so much. I was always mad about history. You probably realise that now mm. from our opener. Mm. Uh, but I'm discovering more things and just annoyed now that I wasn't picked to be a Vestal Virgin in ancient Rome. I don't even know what that is. Do you not? No. Oh, God. We'll have to do another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get... No, you should go back and do your junior cert and take history and then you can listen to me talking about it. I could probably tell you about Romanesque architecture versus... There was gothic. one... Gothic. Because gothic yeah. was pointy. <laughs> yes! Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, like Christchurch and the flying buttresses and all that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that crap. I love both. Uh if you had to live in a Romanesque gaff or a Gothic gaff, what would you choose? I mean, you live here. The house is here. Romanesque. Would you? I don't want no pointy edges in my life. Ah, fair enough. Oh, they're both gorgeous. Yeah, I suppose Romanesque, yeah. They are both gorgeous. But like, yeah, I don't I don't want... I have pointy people in my life. I don't need pointy edges on my windows. Tom, Tom this is fantastic. I, we don't need that. We, who, who is time You're for You're too pointy. Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could say that to people. Just stop. You're, you're pointy. You're being yeah. pointy. I, I can be pointy. Pointy, pointy is a bit passive aggressive, isn't it? Like, um, nah. No, no. It's the way that you deliver that line, I suppose. Yeah. Like, Sorry, pal. Back off. You're being just a bit too pointy. Yeah. That's not very passive aggressive. No, that was pretty pointed. Yeah, that <laughs> was very direct. That's me, Tom. <laughs> you're a very cool person. I remember him um, coming in Smock Alley, and you'd just be like doing your thing. And I was just I was like, she's fucking cool. You're so Why cool. Why is that cool? I don't know. You're, no, you're just like a naturally, you just exude coolness. I, uh, for me. Thanks, maybe Tom. not for everybody. I just think you're very cool. No, it is for everyone. Ah. That was a joke. <laughs> uh -huh. 
Thanks though, that's real cute. Yeah. I remember when um, somebody came in, oh no, I met someone in a bar, like a stranger, and they were like, um, you were real nice to me before when I bought a ticket, and I thought, what? Like not even thinking that they meant they came into the box office. And the woman was like, yeah, yeah, you're the face of Smock Alley. And I thought, Jesus Christ. Like you forget that people can see you. Because mm. you know the way in that box office is very exposed. So, and I'm facing the front door. So people, hundreds of people are looking at me all the time and you forget that they can see you. Yeah. It's, like, it's such a mind trip. But I also think you're a very memorable person. Like more so than most. I think like the way you speak and the way you engage with people, it's brilliant and it's so, um, it's so gorgeous. But it's very like individual. It's very good. Ah, oh, Tom. No, this is so cute. It's true. Now I don't so feel so bad about the winter. <laughs> Or gothic architecture, man. Thank you. I am your sunshine. <laughs> your only You're my son. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. So great. Um, <laughs> the yeah, like, but so yeah, you're very. But I think that's got to be really good for comedy then as well, because like, there's so many comedians, and like, everyone's a bit gas now. Do you know what I mean? And everyone has everyone's an iPhone. Everyone's a bit gas now. That is so beautiful and apt. You know. Yeah. But you're very. You're more memorable than us. Ah, I don't know about that. Thank you, but um, there there really are so many gas women out there. And when I decided that I was going to give this a uh, whirl, I thought, well, you have to think of yourself as a product, you know, as we always do, because we're actors as well. And then I'm thinking, what can I bring to this comedy arena of Dublin where there are so many women now, which is amazing. There have always been uh, men, of course, and there's more and more and more. But like, what makes me different? What can I brand myself with? Why am I different? So thank you for that. It kind of just reminds you that like, okay, maybe people will remember me or there's a certain way that I uh, perform the stand-up, the comedy, like uh, inner city Dublin, you know, uh, personable stories, anecdotes, that kind of thing. So that mm. is kind of my bag, if you like. So it makes me feel good in my heart that you said that. Good. I want your heart to feel good. What, what, what? When you asked yourself that question and thought of yourself as a product, what kind of things did you come up with that made you different? Uh, well, the Dublin kind of comedy thing, right? For sure, because um, I've heard all my speaking life so my mom said I started talking when I was like eight months old or something like trying to put words together and since then people have always said you use very old turns of phrase um, and that you know you seem older than you are I've gotten that my whole life as well so like very Dublin things um, for example this is just a random example my nana used to call men hego like somebody that was close to you now I don't know what that's from. I'm guessing it's somebody with their surname, Hegarty or something. But in my family, we would always say, oh, uh, who left that there? Oh, that was Hego. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to merge that kind of, the Dublin lexicon that my, that's, my family has and that's kind of unique to the people that I hang around with. Like the cadences of like an old kind of Dublin accent because I think I... People say, like uh, voiceover people have said to me and directors have said, you have a kind of old school, like obviously the language that I use would be very contemporary, like pox, I'm bringing that word back for everyone, you're welcome. Uh, but anyway, yeah, long story short, that um, the the Dublin-ness of me, you know, I was going to use that as a kind of a marketing tool to be like, this is comedy from the inner city 
of Dublin. Dublin town. Dirty old town, man. Yeah. And lots of other things as well, like, um, I don't know, anecdotal stuff. My jokes are like long-form stories because I think that I'm good at telling stories, like spinning a yarn and... uh, people always have questions for me or they'd say, oh, tell me that story again. But it could be just a story of like what happened to me when I was waiting for the bus. But I think I have been able to engage people in the past. And I was like, right now it's time to do something about that. Because the acting work is so thin on the ground like, and I don't have an agent either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'd be a long time waiting for some good gig to... Um, pop up out of nowhere so for the meantime I'm having a whale you could with, yeah you know with being a, a, a stand up comic so yeah like yeah like <clears throat> what, 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 what are your thoughts on like Asians and stuff like that Asians <laughs> Agents <laughs> Tom that was so funny and weird Agents gas but now that you brought it up um... I love Asian people I love Asian food I've actually never been to Asia I was only talking about that the other day I was in China were you yeah for the ice festival? No. Okay, for what then? You couldn't do the ice festival. You hate winter. Well, that's true, but it does look amazing. You jump off the Great Wall. <laughs> I probably would. You can see it from space. You and can. From my house. Uh, look, I don't want to talk about me being in China too much because I want to talk about you. What I will say, the Great Wall of China, pretty great. Was it amazing? It's really great. Oh, God. One of these days I'll get there. Yeah. Uh, I have to go back to the credit union and be like, hey, remember me from last Christmas? Yeah, I still have no money. I want to go to China. Yeah. But about agents, um, my thoughts on agents are I would love to have one. Um, but you need to be like churning out proper work all the time and inviting these people. And that work has been thin on the ground for me. You know, obviously, I had an amazing show in Fringe this year, or I was part of an, an amazing show, I should say, um, How to Be Angry. And that drew so many people but still nothing is happening like it takes time so I just have to be patient and keep working at what I'm doing and so far um, my stand-up stuff has been really well received Um, can I say that about myself yeah it's been well received um, I received it very well. You received it so well. Thank you so much. Yeah, so <laughs> that's going to keep me ticking over and hopefully something will come to me uh, in the way of an agent through that. It can only help me. You know, it's better than lying at home watching reruns of Sabrina with my mum. Yeah, not to put any judgment on that though. No, <laughs> they are the best days. Like, it's an interesting thing because uh, I was thinking about this myself today because, um, you know, like inevitably you hear something you're like, why am I like... I'd be great at that, you know what I mean? And, you know, you, you have them thoughts. and then, But it's so interesting, like, how different people respond to that. So, like, I, I think, like, on... Because I, I feel like on every level, whether you have an agent, you don't, whatever it is, like, everyone kind of, like, you're always, like, looking at the next thing, whatever the next thing is for you, you know what I mean? So it's really interesting, like, I think it's so good. Um, and I think I... It's one of the things that I think, if you don't have this naturally you're kind of in trouble because you obviously have a natural kind of get up and go about you do you know what I mean like so you're not someone who's going to sit around and just be like oh well I don't have an agent so I don't have an agent I wait until I get an agent like, oh no well like, I don't have an agent so that's fine like I'll go off and do all my other things and as you said if I keep turning out good stuff like that will actually take care of itself yeah that's it and I mean look how handy the internet is for us I've always said it's going to be huge um, that you can be a product and you can market yourself 25-7 25 hours a day, Mm -hmm. seven days a week. 
I add in the extra hour, just, you know, for scheduled posts about myself mm-hmm. online and Absolutely. stuff like that. Uh, but we can market ourselves from lying in bed. And it is all about, like, keeping things ticking over and putting yourself out there. And eventually you'll end up attracting the right thing, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I know, but... We'll see in a year. But, but no, it's yeah. great. Like, I mean, like, and, you know, the... the History podcast, all the all the stuff. It's just, I think what's really interesting now is like uh, said it before. You, you just can't be one thing anymore. You know what I mean? I, I unless you're a freak, unless you, I, I think I literally said it in the last episode. But like, if you're like someone incredibly, incredibly incredible, like someone like Barry Kogan, who just seems to have this thing that's just amazing, like about him on camera. If you're that guy, all right, you're that guy. You're gonna be fine. But like, he's one in in a million you know what I mean so like for everyone else like you gotta do loads of things like you think about all of our wonderful friends you think about like you know How to Be Angry that brilliant show you seem to think about anything like in the fringe any of the people that are like out making stuff like on the ground in Dublin now everyone's doing a few things like everyone's writing and acting or writing and directing or producing and acting do you know what I mean you have to though because you will stagnate if you don't keep moving you know and because if you're a creative type you're uh, super objective is to cram your fingers into as many pies as you can, you know? Um, like, I mean, that's why you're here doing this because something in you really sought that and loved that idea, you know? So we're always doing different things, podcasts and writing and trying to be gas for loose change and, you know, and then all the normal stuff like emptying your nana's house. Sleeping on the carpet. Sleeping on the carpet. Bringing a bag of meat to your sister that was left over when you defrosted the fridge. Freezer. <laughs> it, it's all important. Yeah, it's all relevant. I'm so interested in the fact that like we haven't spun the machine at all. I know. Does this ever happen? Not, Not really. really. But like we can do loads of spins now. I just was enjoying the chat. And I was also struggling for the first like 10 minutes. I was just, sometimes you just sit down and like, you know, with the nature of this podcast is you're just sitting down for the chat so like you, you don't you don't pre- you don't really prepare you know and that's kind of the point of it but then like sometimes you'll just find yourself and you're just like oh, I, I, am I being offensive am I saying the wrong thing because it's such a like we were talking about earlier just with the stuff about like when we were talking about you know men and women and stuff like that it, they're just tricky things to talk about now because people get angry when you say the wrong thing sometimes yeah. so when you're putting something down on the record like inevitably I certainly am just like fuck like am I saying the right thing because like I know in like my heart I never ever mean any offence to anyone but you're, you always just have the thing you're like oh fuck did I, did I say the wrong thing I know I know it kind of takes a few minutes to get into your kind of flow or whatever yeah yeah it's and it's winter so like people the listeners will let us off the hook because we're so sensitive to the so rain sensitive <laughs> I'm not doing well I've told you this yeah. I, I didn't get to run away from my problems at the Phoenix Park today so like the next time you run up there just stay up there <laughs> That's do us all a favour, Tom. Actually, I live on the same road as one of the entrances to the park, so you can drop into me. You can have a lick at the salt lamp. We'll get you back up and running, Tom. I'm I'm up and I'm running. <laughs> oh, I just made a joke there and didn't even realise. That's how fucking good I am, Tom. Whoa. That was good. Up and running. That Gas. was good. All right, let let's fucking spin it. Okay, spin me. It's it's like the game's just starting now. Yeah, sixty minutes now. All right. Okay. So number twenty-eight. Do you have it? Yes. Fuck. Okay. Well. Okay. We're never gonna get there. But listen, I have it. Look, you never know. We'll. 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 we'll okay. I'll stop arsing around, and I'll be a better host from now on. And I'll be more gas. Go. Do you believe in love at first sight? Yes. Really? Ah, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, for loads of things, not just humans. 
like if I see an animal that I really <laughs> like on the street, like I'll remember that little critter for a long time. Finger and pie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yes, I do. Uh, has it happened to me? Yeah, actually, it has happened to me. What like what, do you do you remember the specifics? Yeah, it's happened a few times actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know when the, you're gonna think I'm absolutely out of my snack box, but there are certain things that I can pick up on, um, like physical things that I I will immediately know that uh that I'm gonna be compatible with this man, and oftentimes now I haven't tried it in a while. Um, I'm able to guess what month they were born in because of these physical attributes that I'm just drawn to. Uh, the upper lip is a big thing. Yeah. I don't know why. It, it's mad. And I have met men in the past that have that lip and I'm like, oh yeah, he was born in December or uh, he was born in July because I like Leos and Sagittarius. Um, and I will be right. And I'll be like, I love you a little bit now. Okay, so this is fascinating because when we talk about like love at first sight, generally, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, when I when, when I think about that phrase, I think that, that like people would associate that phrase with like their one and only, their soulmate, whatever the word people use for like the person that they think they're meant to spend the rest of their life with, right? So like the fact that you've felt that like on a potentially numerous occasions. Oh yeah. Like, and I think if you really sit down and like think to yourself we kind of all do that all the time. I've been in love with like loads of people at the same time. Now, it doesn't last. It's just like, I think that um, innate attraction to somebody, whether it lasts 10 seconds or whether it lasts 10 years, it's the same thing. It's the same feeling. And that continues to happen to me all the time. Yeah. Um, Th yeah. That's an interesting thing. I was talking... Um about this with someone recently and we were talking about like the idea of like being you know w w when you're in a relationship what does that mean like you know in, in relation to other people because you know obviously like we're human so we don't like shut off and be like okay I have no interest in any of the people for the rest of my life now that's not how like humans work like no so like we're trying to work out like is being in a relationship just being with one person and saying you're the person that I want to be with I don't want to be with anyone else despite the fact that I'm going to see all these other people who I do want to be with but I like you so much that like I won't be with the other people that I want to be with because that's how much I like you is that what being in a relationship is? Yeah I think so the, Tom it's so funny what comes up in natural conversation that is so relevant to things that have just happened to me this week I was just chatting to Emily about this the other day and we kind of came to the conclusion that we're all just upright animals wearing clothes and we aren't programmed to be monogamous like we're actually we're polyamorous we're just some sort of weird pan troglodyte chimp that happen to have handbags and fucking leave cards or something <laughs> and I, you know it. I guess if you I kind of the older I get now this is going to be a, a bit sad and a bit neg but the older I get the more I don't believe that married people are entirely entirely happy with their other half now I'm a child of broken home um, so maybe I'm a little bit, uh, you know, 
I'm not happy about how my mum and dad's marriage turned out. Although I think it was definitely for the best. I just, when I look at people that have been married for years or something, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, but like, what did you do with the Christmas party? I don't know where that's coming from. Um, but yeah, I think you fall in love all the time and you choose to let it go uh, or you pursue it. Yeah. It happens all the time. That that's very meandering now, but that's what I think. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very, it, like it's so hard because like when you not like inevitably there comes a time when you have to like just look at everything and just try and just so like to justify then being with one person if like that kind of goes against their nature, right? And and then like, are right, you make the decision to to be like no. I don't think this is working anymore. Like you do what your mom and dad did and say like, no, this doesn't, doesn't, like, cause have you, have you have, right, sorry, I'm meandering now. Have you heard that phrase like, what's the key to a successful marriage and it's just like, not getting a divorce. Like they're like, yeah, that's a frid- fridge magnet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, like, and, that, and that's a great way to describe it because it's a fridge magnet and anything that fr- fits in a fridge magnet is probably bollocks because it's oversimplifying a really yeah. complicated thing. But at the same time, like, I always just wonder, like, well, how happy am I meant to be? Like, how happy am I meant to be with one person? Because, like, you know, um, so there's one person in your life and, like, they make you really happy, of course. And then, but they also, like, inevitably will drive you crazy in other ways. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, where does that balance tip for you? And how do you know where that balance tips for everyone else? And how do you decide, like... Like, how unhappy are you meant to be at a given time? How happy are you meant to be all the time? Do you know what I mean? Like, how the fuck are we meant to know that? We're not, though, because essentially we're fridge magnets, aren't we? Oh, fuck. <laughs> aren't we, though, just looking for a fridge to hang out on? Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, you're not supposed to know, and I think we talk about oversimplifying things. I think we're constantly learning. That's obvious. We're making decisions and every day you get a bit older a little fatter you know you're deciding things as you go along and after years and years and years when we're like in our 50s or something we'll be like okay that was a a good set of decisions that I made there in a row um these are my feelings and this is my moral compass and then you just realize when your balance is set like and you're not being thrown off by things. I think it's all about being young as well. Because we don't know anything. You know, that's why we have to read books and fridge magnets, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An education through fridge magnets. I know, like, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's just, it's so funny, like, trying to navigate all that. Because, like, there's just, like, there's a roadmap for so many things in life. Like, you can see how people, like, progress their careers. You can see how people, like, get fit. And you can see how people stay healthy. But you don't know how someone's heart operates. Mm-mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's the one thing, like, I think everyone could do with a little bit of help when it comes to it. Like, even the people in the happiest relationships. Well, like, and I was just, I was just wondering, like, well, like, how... And how do you know, like, if the relationship you're in, you're like, oh, I need to get out of this relationship. You're like, well, how do you know that's not, like, the best relationship you're ever going to be in? Yeah, I suppose you just have to take an inventory. and But you know what? You don't, maybe you don't have to take an inventory of the whole thing. Because if you get that spark that I shouldn't be in this, that's all the, the evidence that you need, I think. Yeah. And then you have to decide whether you take action or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, that has to be it. That that uh, deep 
set, that innate thing that's like, ah, oh, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. I think that's that gives you more truth than anything. Yeah. And then the next step is, as you said, I think, is that like, okay, do you want to try and fix it? Or do you not? And then I think what's really hard is then like, you try and fix it and you're like, I, I can't, I don't know, I don't know how. Because like, there's no, I don't think there's any need for anyone to have to fix anything that they're not happy like you know if you're not just abandon ship that's okay too like oh yeah that is okay you don't and it takes balls to be able to do that you know takes so much balls yeah potentially what takes more balls potentially i don't know let's workshop it like potentially it takes more <laughs> balls <laughs> let's write a script go on what well, is to try and fix it because that's even more vulnerable again it's like this isn't working like I'm not as happy as I should be and I'm not convinced that I'm making you as happy as you should be. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever, for whatever reason, something isn't right and then trying to put, like, actions in place to correct things and then, like, and then if that doesn't work again, again, and, like, you can't make it, it's like, all right, fuck, like, that's, like, I think that's, like, so sad, you know? It is sad, but sometimes you have to be able to abandon ship and just keep on going. Yeah. Because you'd end up like sick and damaging the other person and, you know, then you'd be wrapped around some salt lamp in a shop, in a health food shop, like you don't even have the money to buy the lamp to bring it home. But I like, there has to be, I think there must be some comfort in being sick and damaging other people then. Because like, how many people are doing that? How many of us are doing that? You know what I mean? How many marriages are, have been doing that for like 40 years and like actually they're, they're, maybe they're not the happiest version of themselves, but like, they probably are happy too, you know? In a weird way, yeah, because people are so afraid of change that they'll do anything not to have to budge on anything. Yeah. You know, so there's comfort in hiding, for sure. And I, like, endeavour to, like, not do that. You know, that I would always be direct about things and I kind of don't really have time for shying away for thing- from things anymore. And it annoys me if I see other people doing it. I would keep it to myself, of course, unless it was somebody very close to me. And I'd be like, okay, here's some life advice, man. Um, but yeah, I think there is comfort in things staying the same. Yeah. Because it's familiar. It is familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Familiar mad. Is, it is mad. I don't know. The fucking winter. <laughs> <laughs> You were just going crazy. Yeah. If we had done this in July, it would have been a whole other thing. Oh, man. <laughs> We'd be wearing sombreros by now. Oh, yeah, sunny Mexico. There's not even sombreros here. We just, we, we'd have found them. Uh, in our, our imagination. Yes, of course, exactly. Anything is possible. Right, let's give it a spin. Okay. Okay, number five. No. Okay, no worries. Number five. Question is um, oh, we actually covered this earlier. Gas. Oh. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, hilarious. Okay, so it was Nelson Mandela or a caterpillar. You know this from one of my stand-up things. Yeah. uh, Where I thought that you could be a creature or you could be a person. Gas. Um, I suppose I I went through a few different phases as well. I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, I wanted to be a newsreader. I wanted to be a marine biologist, but then I got sedophobia, so I'm really afraid of whales now. That only developed in the last 10 years. Then I wanted to be a gynecologist because I was so obsessed with babies that I wanted to see a baby being born. I was then, sure you were going to say I was so obsessed with vaginas. I was like... Ah, no. Just what? the baby. Yeah. Uh, I still really like babies. Uh, pregnancy really uh, intrigued me, you know, like... Where was that kid up until now? That kind of thing. Kind of trippy. And then I wanted to be um, an actor. And that was it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's a lot of things. Yeah, but you probably have it as well. Most people do. Like, Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to be a footballer. Of course. Then it was too okay, that's been brought up so many times. You just want to shit. go and be a footballer right I now, Tom. Really you can do. go. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Um, and then I wanted to be a singer. Um, and in a band, and I was in a band and like wrote songs and like pretty good. Like I, I actually think we probably could have done that if we like stuck with it and like got lucky. You know what I mean? Oh, no, yeah. Because right, like there's actually nothing really. If you're like kind of good at something, that's kind of all you need. And then you need like you know to work hard and to get luck. Sure, that's what we were told. Remember when we were in college that it's ninety nine percent hard work and one percent talent. That thing that you have, whatever the hell that's supposed to be. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know what it is, but we have it. <laughs> and that's final. The listeners will hear it. <laughs> <laughs> they know. You guys know. <laughs> Tweet us, tell us. No, but yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. It, so let me maybe rephrase the question, um, considering that I already asked you that one. Was like, so if someone was to like um, take away your 1%, right? So you couldn't you couldn't do this. You could work as hard as you want, but like it was just like, nah, not happening. You can't do it. Like you literally stand up every time it's not working. Like you, you can't remember your lines. You literally, performance is just not an option for you. What would you do? God, that made me a bit sad just now. That's a great sign. Yeah, okay, that's after, that's after doing something to me there, striking fear into my gut. Um, I would say that I would like to work with animals. I suppose I always wanted to work with animals. Let's go back to that. When I was a kid, I wanted to be around animals all the time. Uh, but we weren't allowed to have a dog, which was annoying. But then we got one. Ha ha ha. And he's beautiful. Um, maybe work in a zoo or something. Wouldn't that be so nice? I run by the zoo in the Phoenix Park. <laughs> of course, running away from your troubles. I just want to tell everyone that is, I go to the Phoenix Park. Yeah, I mean, the zoo is... I was there recently. It's pretty cool. I, I, I've sometimes... Like, sometimes... Like, I don't think my dog likes me, right? Okay, okay, <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Go on. And uh, so sometimes I wonder, like, but I feel like other people's, like, but I also feel that sometimes, like, dogs actually know. Like, if dogs will actually, if you're a shitty person, the dog will know. Of course. So, like, then sometimes I'm like, what does the dog know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cute. What type of dog is he? A uh, little Maltese tiny little Maltese. oh very so the complete opposite to my dog is a Siberian Husky he's a big boy wow, yeah, yeah oh, but I love all dogs of course I love all animals apart from whales orcas are, are kind of okay where did that come from I'll tell you exactly where it came from Pinocchio you know Pinocchio old school Pinocchio I'm even sweating now thinking about it when they he gets the why would you be swallowed by a humpback fucking whale? That's that's traumatising to me. Like, Tom, I swear to God, it's bad. When I'm flying somewhere over the sea, I can't look out the window in case I see a sperm whale or a grey whale or a humpback whale, all those big ones coming to the surface. And my family are always tagging me in things, of like whale watching things, and I'll pick up the laptop and fuck it across the room. I hate them. And I've looked into it like extensively. It's called cetophobia. Most people, when they have it, it's for whales and dolphins. I'm okay with dolphins. They're grand because of Ace Ventura Snowflake. You know what I mean. You don't know the movie? No, I do. Sorry, I'm just shaking my head in disbelief. Oh, right. Yeah, I know it is insane. But yeah, Pinocchio, that's what started it off. And usually when people have it, they it's really connected to a really big, deep fear of the sea. But I don't have, it's not about the water. I love being in the water. Nearly drowned loads of times, having a whale of a time, 
having a whale. No way. That means one's waiting outside the studio. But like they haunt my dreams. Like I'll have waking night terrors about whales and whales that are like driving the 27 bus and whales that are working in super value. They don't have to be in the water. It freaks me out. I don't know what it is. Have you nearly drowned? Oh yeah, loads of times. Why are you so casual? Yeah, cause you know when you're messing around with your Lilo or whatever in Spain and the riptide takes you, it's kind of it's kind of exciting. You know those near death experiences. Like, well, I didn't nearly nearly die, but like I've been taken out of the water by lifeguards a few times. Have you not? No, no, we were just unsupervised. Then. <laughs> your parents were all getting divorced. Yeah, that, they were so busy in the court. But uh, I nearly drowned a couple of years ago in Brazil. The water in Rio. The tide is just like nothing I've ever felt before. Also, the water is freezing. And um, in certain parts of Copacabana and Apanema, they have um, drones that the lifeguards are controlling from the huts so they can zoom in on whether people are like just horsing around or whether the person is dying. So mm. um, thankfully, I didn't need to be dragged out that time. But uh, I thought I was gone there. Wow. Yeah, Matt. Okay, we've got like... Five minutes left. Ah. Want to ask you a question? Okay. Want to take one of our real life conversations? In the yes, I'll go out with you. That yeah. was a joke. Um, <laughs> did we talked about one of your gigs and your parents came to see it? Yes. Is this okay to talk about? Yes. Yeah. And how it's weird when your parents go to see you do a thing that you don't make for your parents. Yeah. And like how like they don't like it sometimes. How, how I'm just I just think it's an interesting way to finish up how is your relationship with making stuff and just being aware of the fact that like your parents in your life they might see it yeah actually Tom I thought about this a lot after we spoke about it last week or whenever it was and I've passed your piece of advice on to others and it was so true like that you make this podcast your art I make these uh, all this material for stand up and it's our stuff and people our parents are welcome to listen to it but it's not for them and that you really helped me to realise that because I am only new to this and uh, yeah my parents have come to see me in shows and you know watch me on TV and all that crap and whatever and they've always been supportive but recently I started talking about you know, divorce and how family dynamics can be the most fucked up thing ever. Because basically everyone's family is the same. You just change the names and the the ages or whatever. We basically all have the same story. And um, I warned them that, you know, I'm going to say these jokes and they're going to be extremely exaggerated. But there is a root of all of those things that is unbelievably true, like undeniably true. Um and they it didn't land very well at all, um, but I mean as you say like it's not for them you know and the stuff was funny like people laughed at it you know the show that particular show was sold out like um now there were other comics on of course as well but um even the the guys who were running um the whole thing were saying you know it's very rare that it would sell out that quickly and like people were banging at the door trying to get in that kind of thing so it was a good night overall is what I'm trying to say but um, it really irked my mum and dad you know Uh, so I thought at first initially after the gig like I was lying awake then at night thinking lying on the carpet (laughs) thinking um, maybe I should back away from this type of material Um, but then I thought no 
because it's so universal. Basically, everyone's mom and dad aren't together. You know, it's relatable. I think it's funny. Uh, people laughed, you know. So now I'm just going to start laying it on thick. It's good. And they can come and see it if they want or they can sit at home. It's good. It, yeah. It is probably really good for people in the audience here. It's probably really good for you to say it. It's probably really good for your parents to hear it. Maybe, yeah. I actually hadn't thought of it from their perspective. But, you know... Maybe they should hear that, like, we were totally messed around by them and it's still going on, you know, everyone's the same. Yeah. And then you realise that your parents are just, like, in their late 50s, they're just other adults. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. just another adult. We're just thrown together and... I know, and, and like, they obviously love you to bits and, like, they're yeah, just... Yeah, they do. ...doing their best, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I think, yeah, when 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 people can know that, like, what you're doing is coming from, like a place of love and even when they're messing you about like it's coming from the best place they have available at that moment It, yeah it's just good like because you no, know, it would be I, I think the worst thing that could happen would be like for them like moment for their moments of like discomfort would be to stop you from like doing something that's important to you that you're really good at and is inevitably going to be important to loads of other people that'd be like a little mini tragedy you know what I mean so thank you yeah, so good. I guess so I'm going to keep doing it and yeah Whatever happens, happens, babe. You're great, man. All right, do me a favour. Will you like let everyone know like where they can find you on social media, like on Twitter, on Snapchat, and all those? Groups? Absolutely. So, uh, Bon Mott is the name that I go on. Uh, my uh, online persona, if you like. So, uh, on Instagram, Bon Mott Dublin. On Snapchat, same again. On Twitter, same again. And Facebook, same again. B O N M O T. That's it. Yeah, Bon sure. Mott. A funny quip, but also a good girl. Yeah. A Bon Mott. I like it. Yeah. It's good. And yeah, you got a good joke about it in your set, which is a reason that people should come along and see you. Oh, for tax reasons and loose change? Yeah. That's basically why I do everything. Be <laughs> <laughs> totally funny. And friendship. Ali Fox, thank you so much for playing personality bingo. Thank you, Tom. I love you. Sweet. So guys, that was the wonderful Ali Fox playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moore. And a massive thank you to Ali for taking the time to do it. It was a deadly episode uh, and it was kind of a weird one as well, I think. Uh, but in a really wonderful way. And um, we were both just like weird humour in a lovely way, you know. Um, but I mean, you guys heard it, so you can make of it what you will. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to Ali and thanks so much for taking the time to do it. She's such a sweetheart and it was a brilliant chat. Guys, in other news, as I said, I'm at the Tivoli Theatre uh, all the way through to the end of January doing Sleeping Beauty uh, here. It's a great cast. It's Mary Byrne. It's Alan Hughes. Uh, there's tons more they are the big uh, celeb names that we have behind the, the show and uh, if you're around town with little kids uh, it's uh, a brilliant one to come and see because uh, it's just a bit of crack it's a real traditional um, panto and I would love to see you there uh, in other news um, a couple of quick thank yous as always to the wonderful Taz Keller for mixing, editing and producing this podcast we've nearly done 50 episodes as I mentioned earlier uh, it's kind of an amazing uh, achievement all around but Taz is the backbone of this podcast and a massive thank you to you Taz also be sure to check out her podcast In the Shower with Taz and Marcus I know I say it every week but if you haven't done it yet do it's just a brilliant podcast you're really really going to enjoy it the episodes in particular have been uh, tackling some really like class things that you kind of will have always occurred in your head that you've never bothered to check out and the guys go into it in such depth uh, in such a short amount of time it's an absolute gem of a podcast also a huge thank you to Liam Moore and Anthony Manley for their wonderful theme music uh, we play it every week and it's uh, deadly and also a brilliant um, a brilliant thank you 
Yes, a brilliant thank you to Conor Nolan for his wonderful artwork. Um, it's deadly to have such uh, great work showcasing um, our podcast on the iTunes charts and all that kind of bits and bobs. Uh, speaking of iTunes charts, give us a rating, a comment, a subscription. All those things really do make a difference. I know it might seem like they don't, but they do. Um, it helps people to find our podcast. Uh, we uh, need your help because um, you know we don't got much money behind this podcast at all, at all, at all. Uh, in fact, we've got none. I don't know what I'm saying. So uh, any help that you can give uh, is massive in spreading the word about this show. Also, uh, finally, and certainly not leastly, a massive thank you to Alan and Paddy at Headstuff for their wonderful, wonderful work and for having me on board uh, with such a successful uh, network. It's such a privilege and a joy to have brought us uh, to nearly 50 episodes on the podcast. Uh, And I'm going to leave it there because, as you can hear, the closing of Act 1 in the Panto is just happening and um, I've got to go on stage and do some stuff. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Moore. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.